Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian C. Wood, and with me this afternoon is my good friend and co-host and all-around music nerd, Chad Mix. Welcome to another weird, wild, and wacky week in the world of genre movie news. We are gathered here today in the presence of the movie lords to talk about the great and powerful entity that is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Um, as of this morning, we have the uh, Oscar nominations. We did a very, uh, I feel like we did a very in-depth preview <clears throat> preview of this, uh, of, this, of this year's nominations in our last episode, but we wanted to go live and react to what we have uh, actually found out from the Academy this morning. So Chad, what are your first thoughts on this very diverse, very eclectic, yet full of surprises um, Oscar nominations for 2022? So I'll go with what my my first tweet was, which, um, what? Hell, I've actually forgotten what I said first. I do know my, my, like my very first thought was I was really, um, Happy to see that uh, I'm going to butcher her name, but uh, I think it's Anaway Ellis from King Richard that she got a nomination. I didn't see a whole lot of people talking about her, and I thought she did a good job. Uh, granted, I've only seen a handful of movies, so I, I can't really say say so much. Um, and this this feels like a very like you said it it feels more diverse than in the past um and that is a good thing i I think all of the categories except for best actress have women of color in it but since our a lot of our talk has been since a lot of talk recently has been about you know people actually watching the oscars I look at the list and particularly for best movie and there's not going to be a whole bunch of things that moves the general audience. So I don't, I still don't know what the answer is for the Oscars. There is some stride, some good strides here, but now when we're focusing on ratings and cultural relevance, I don't think this is going to help them achieve any of that this year. I don't think that this is a list that is designed to draw viewers in. That that's that's true. You're not going to have there's the Dune takes up I believe 56% of the box office revenue for the all of the best picture nominees. Um, almost all of them have been out for 10 plus weeks. Um, as our our friends at Exhibitor Relations point out it'll be interesting to see where we go from here in terms of like um you know, box off a shot in the arms for some of these these films over the next month. But like, to me, this is also like the most ex- the most accessible list of films that we've had in a while because just like last year, due to the pandemic and just due to the changing nature of the industry, a lot of these films are available to stream online, whether it's through YouTube, whether it's through Netflix, whether it's through whatever means that you would want to find, um, they're available and they're available for you to consume from the comfort of your own home. So I'm hopeful that with West Side Story, for example, having a Disney Plus release date that's coming soon, um, 
with Dune eventually, I guess, going to make its way back to HBO Max. It's not there right now. Neither is King Richard. Um, that that people will find these things, hone in on them, and and just like actually invest the time to see some of these movies because ultimately the best thing the Academy Awards can do is put films that people wouldn't normally put on their radar on their radar to go and check out and hey maybe this is worth the time and the energy and the effort. I mean looking at the list and I know we'll get into it later I I do think that having a bunch of these available on the streamers right now will probably help. I, I know it'll help me because I'll, I'll go out of my way to find most of these. Most of these I wanted to see, uh, some I've never heard of. So being able to stream them now instead of having to like wait and see if the theaters run some special with all the nominees, I think that's going to help. But I... um, AMC, AMC has already said that they've abandoned for the second year in a row the marathon event. They are going to just release them you know, individually for show times in their theaters, basically. Um, they're not going to do the whole sit everybody in a theater for 12 hours thing. And if you're looking for streaming options, Collider has a really, Collider has a really great article up right now that categorizes all, categorizes all the nominees across all of the different categories and where to find them on the internet. So that's helpful as well. Okay, I will look into that. Um my my concern with looking at it is even though a lot of them you can find or will be able to find streaming now or relatively soon i just don't think people that are not into movies are not going to go look at this and for the academy awards to to kind of keep up with the appearance that they'd like to keep up you need other people to look in on this and so it, they they might be moved to some things, but for the most part, I think you, you're still looking at them maybe recognizing Dune, and then the rest are like, I don't really care about any of these. Well, I mean, and there's a way that you can sell almost all of these to, to a mainstream audience. It's just, I think the host, the host decision is going to come into play who they select. I know Pete Davidson's name was floating out there for a hot minute, which I think would not be the right way to go, but nah. you know, it's going to be an interesting way to like that. I think that'll have some effect on viewership and you know, the right host can, can do good things with these films. Um, ultimately at the end of the day, I've much more enjoyed the hostless telecast because I've much more enjoyed the fast moving award 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 pace of the show whereas i feel like a host just kind of slowed things down um and i don't think that we're going to have the controversy like we had last year where it's like well they're going to save best picture where they going to do best picture or you know are they going to build the show around one particular surprise win like there's not there's not anything like that on this card so far this year so it's going to be interesting for me uh i i think Overall, the, the, we are, the, the conversations should be separate. The nominations conversation in deserving and undeserving and who got snubbed and who should be in and who shouldn't be um, should be a separate conversation from, is this a viable list of nominees to draw people in to get viewership up for the ceremony? 
Like, I, I feel like those should kind of be two separate conversations, um, mainly because I think they are driving at two different points. Judging this list based on creatively and artistically, if it's on its merits, should be different from is grandma in Wichita, Kansas, going to know enough of these folks to want to tune in? And I'd argue that if you run West Side Story ads relentlessly, Grandma which talk Kansas is going to remember that that was a movie when she was growing up and be interested in the fact that it got remade. So, or, you know, she knows I love Lucy. And so if you tell her, hey, Amazon made a movie about, you know, Lucille Ball, um, like you can get her in, in the door that way. I mean, I think you're right. But that's, but now the Oscars are in a place where, yeah, they, you want to have what we consider creatively uh, and engaging movies and nominees that are that are the best of the field, and that's you know, and that's that's tough to do anyway, as subjective as all this is. So you want to keep you want to try to keep that integrity, but at the same time, the Oscars wants to remain relevant. The different one might be in conflict with the other. I don't know how you square those uh, those two pegs, but the Oscars needs to find a way to do it. Um, and I, I wish I had something better to say for that, but that's kind of the the spot they land themselves in. I, I The people that see more movies, I trust them when they say, you know, these are generally about right. But then when you want other people to come in, this none of these, most of these movies don't give you a good, access point for general people and that is the disconnect that they have to fix and i have no idea how to do it and some consultant's going to be paid a lot of money to talk to them and explain and try and figure out the answer to that over the course of time um but let's dive into the actual nominations and we'll start uh as we're going off of the actual academy website with actor and leading film the nominees for best actor are javier bourdain for being the ricardo's Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, um, Will uh, Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington with his 10th nomination, extending his record for most by an African-American in the acting categories um, for The Tragedy of Macbeth. So Being the Ricardos is on Amazon, Power of Dog is on Netflix, Tick, Tick, Boom's on Netflix, King Richard should be on HBO Max at some point in the next uh, week or so you'd hope and then the tragedy of Macbeth is on apple plus so they're all available uh for people to, to get a hold to i've seen um tragedy of Macbeth and being the ricardos i kind of put king richard out of my head just because like i remember living through the williams sisters and the dad at the beginning of their careers and that whole deal and the dad just always kind of seemed to be a hanger on and i know that they had they had stories back then about the dad and the relationship between the daughters. And so I kind of was just not interested in that story. Um, I'm fascinated personally by the fact that Garfield got nominated for Tick, Tick, Boom, but did not get nominated for Eyes of Tammy Faye. And, and Jessica Chastain did not get nominated for Scenes from Marriage, but did get nominated for Eyes of Tammy Faye. So, uh, and, and there's also the Lynn Miranda, uh, issue where he was the creative driving force between in the, behind in the heights goes nowhere 
he's the creative driving force between tick tick boom boom and it goes everywhere so it's just that's an interesting thing i've seen i've seen king richard and i've seen tragedy of Macbeth. i do want to see power dog and i do want to see tick tick boom and i know they're both on netflix i just haven't gotten around to it yet that's my that was my other thought that i couldn't remember earlier i thought this would be uh kind of tough from everything i've heard people really are leaning towards andrew garfield my sentimental pick is will smith even though it's not all sentimental i thought he did a great job and of the two movies i've seen i would go with him over denzel i know that might that mileage is going to vary for people since Macbeth and shakespeare carries a certain weight for acting performances and he did good, give a great performance in that uh so i'm curious what i'll think once i go back and watch i'll watch tick tick boom and power dog for sure before the awards being the ricardos mildly interested in but i don't know how much that mild is going to make me want to actually go out and watch it I mean, Sorkin is a very particular filmmaker, and this is the second time in his last two movies that he's gotten nominated, uh, that his films have been nominated. Um, it's it's an interesting story, and I felt like for a long time that we've gotten a lot of movies and backstories on Judy Garland uh, from the TV realm with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadows, to uh, Judy, the uh, Renee Zellweger movie from a couple of years ago I feel like we've dug into that story a lot over time I feel like the story of of Lucille Ball has kind of always been there to mine for like interesting biopic material and the fact that they haven't really done it has been a surprise to me and I think this is the first step in exploring her as an individual her in her in concert with um her in concert with her uh, relationship to to uh, uh, Ricky and and just you know her impact on comedy as a whole of that generation and and some of the stories that are slowly but surely being lost to time with the older generation of Hollywood dying off. Um, so I mean, if if you're asking me for a pick in this particular field, I will go with Andrew Garfield. Um, I think that's sentimental way everybody's going to go however given the fact the power of dog is the most nominated i would not be surprised if dr strange aka benedict cumberbatch walks away with an award just his last i think his last nomination was for imitation game which was like 2014 2015 i want to say yeah that sounds right Uh, i wouldn't be upset well I want all, I mean, of the people listed here, I, I like them all. I wouldn't mind seeing been Bordam has been nominated. Cumberbatch has been nominated. Uh, Will Smith and Denzel have certainly been nominated. This Isn't this Andrew's first go around, or did he get nominated for uh, Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, I don't know about, if he did, it would have been for that. I don't remember. I mean, we know he won for uh, Social Network as supporting, but yeah, this is his first or second. I want to say it's his first, but I'm not sure um, for best actor. So who you got? Right now, I'm going to say it's probably Andrew Garfield. I, um, I'm completely fine with that. He would be my strong number two. I really want Will to win because I think this is 
This is probably his best performance in what is clearly an Oscar Beatty movie. And he's had though he's had Oscar bait movies before and that, that have gone nowhere, but this one was actually good and he gave a good performance and it's Oscar Beatty. So like it's the perfect the perfect confluence there is just that, you know, now he's got to contend with these other guys. It'll be interesting for sure. Uh, best supporting actor, and the nominees are Carrie and Hands for Belfast. Um Tony, uh, Troy Kutar, Kushner uh, for Coda, Jesse Plummins for Power of Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody uh, Smith-McPhee for The Power of Dog. Your thoughts, sir? Uh, before we get to that, he was nominated for Hassar Ridge, so this is the second um so we've got an entire best actor field full of people who already have a, a, a nomination yeah uh as far as supporting goes i've seen none of these uh the first name that stands out is uh carrion highs and that's only because he was <laughs> he's dark side in uh zack snyder's justice league that's the first thing i thought of uh as far as the rest of the guys I've heard J.K. Simmons isn't in being the Ricardos that much, but you don't have to be in the movie that long to get a nomination for Best Supporting. And it's interesting that Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith-McPhee both got it for Power Dog. I, I really want to go see this now just to, to understand, see their performances and how they both, how it managed two Best Supporting nominations from that one movie. But I I don't have a lot to add out of this uh, outside of adding the adding that uh, Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst are actually a couple and are nominated from the same movie uh, for the first time and they they are both overjoyed by that I thought that is pretty cool I just noted here since I'm looking at it but uh, I whoever walks away with this one more power to you I have I have nothing to add. <laughs> Um, I don't think it'll be Simmons, and then there is a good while well, there is a good chance that Plummins and McBee split the vote for Power of Dog. I think the goodwill will be behind Plummins for all of his fantastic work that he's been doing for the last five to ten years, and it, I think it'll be uh, a much deserved uh, Oscar for that young man. But I think the I think if I had to choose, it's it's either Plummins or it's. Uh, Carrying hand, uh, carrying Hines for uh, for Belfast. Okay. I think Belfast is going to be a divisive movie on the lines of Roma, but I think that it will garner some some recognition. Um, actress in a leading role. The nominees for best actress are uh, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is absolutely fantastic. Olivia Coleman, also absolutely fantastic for The Lost Daughter. The surprise nomination for me of the, uh, of the entire list, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart, after being shut out almost everywhere else in the process, getting her nomination for Best Actress in a Leading Role. The one I've heard the most about, the one I've heard the most uh, people chattering about is Kirsten Stewart and Spencer 
everyone that's seen it really likes her performance in it. I think their mileage on the movie itself varies, but they all like her. And they were, it seemed like a lot of people were really concerned that she would be shut out of this. So to see her up there, at least, at least you know, it's, it justifies what they've been thinking that she's done a, she's done enough to be at least nominated. A lot of people think she should win. I haven't seen Spencer, so I don't know. I've heard, I so the Lost Daughter and Parallel Mothers are the two that I don't know anything about. Uh, Nicole Kidman, I'm not surprised, but surprised. Because I wasn't really thinking of being as of being the Ricardos as really, really Oscar like contender type stuff. But again, I haven't seen it. It's just I didn't really feel that kind of vibe around it. So that it's not surprising that she's up there. It's just kind of surprising to me that this movie is making this much headway at all. And the eyes of Tammy Faye, which I think is still on HBO Max. I think it just came back to it HBO is. Max. Yeah, that's the one I want to see. I wanted to see since I first heard about it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So this is encouraging for me when oh. I go into it. I mean, we both lived through that story. And we're both intimately familiar, having lived in the South, about the history of TV and uh, Angeliquist uh, uh, back in the nineteen in the nineteen eighties and nineties. Televangelists. Uh, televangelists. Uh, you know, it, it's all these performances for my money are powerful and moving and interesting. It's a very close race. And I don't think they're going to go with Olivia Coleman so quickly after having gone there. She's been nominated. I feel like she's been nominated three years in a row because I think she got nominated for the favorite. She got nominated last year for, um, for the movie that um, Anthony Hopkins, the father, which Anthony Hopkins got nominated for and won for last year. Um, so I don't necessarily know they're going to go three for three there. Uh, Penelope Cruz is a surprise. I thought there was there was a thought for a moment that um, they would they would award uh, passing here that they would nominate one of the two uh, leads from passing in this category. But Penelope Cruz um, was the surprise for me uh, for Parallel Mothers. Um, but overall, I mean, it's it's just so hard for me to get behind the Kristen Stewart win here just because she got shut out everywhere else and it's just really hard for me to see that you go from like how how do you put together a campaign that gets you an oscar nomination but gets you shut out of everything else you know that that's that's just the difficult pathway for me to see for you to get getting to a win so if i had to say if i had to guess i'd say it's probably uh, it's probably Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos. If it's not her, I could easily see it being Jessica Chastain. Because it's just, as much as I want to see Kristen Stewart win, and I think that this is a tremendous bunch of ladies to have on together going through this awards journey the next month, I just, it's hard for me to get behind seeing her win an Oscar and not a BAFTA, not a DGA, not a PGA, not a WGA. Um, like, no precursor awards, just an Oscar. That's just very weird to me, considering all those other branches 
make up the academy as a whole. That is good sound like on uh, Kirsten Stewart. Olivia Coleman, she was not nominated three years in a row. She was nominated in 19, she missed 20, and then now the last two years. So, so three of the last four. Yes, but you're, you're right. It does feel like every year because I, I for sure thought she was nominated the last three years straight. Just me eyeballing it. I will from you keep going, you keep you keep going at that rate, you end up in uh you end up in Meryl Street territory. So just me eyeballing it, um, with your logic for Spencer, how I feel about the Ricardos, Olivia Coleman's not probably not getting it. I'm pretty sure this is gonna be Jessica Chastain's award. Would be nice. I mean that that film is in fantastic performance and completely hinges on her. Um but the ironic part to me is that I've I very much enjoyed uh, Andrew Garfield's performance in that movie more than I did in Tick Tick Boom. I mean, Tick Tick Boom is is a different kind of role, but like those two, Jim and Tammy Faye have to have chemistry, and you have to care about those two in order to care about the dynamic ball that comes. And like I really feel that you know. Andrew Garfield did amazing. Uh, I enjoyed his performance every bit as much as, in that as I did Tick Tick Boom. But you're right; this could very well be Jessica Chastain's uh, award to lose. All right, sir. Let's move on to uh, actress in a supporting role. The uh, nominations, the nominees for best supporting actress are Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana. Du Bois for uh, West Side Story, Dame Judi Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for Power of Dog, and Anna Juwine Ellis for King Richard. Your thoughts, sir? Because you know where I'm going with this. Uh, there, there's just one person. There's only one person for me that should win this award. And, I, and the, only, I... the only disappointment for me is that, you know, Sofia Coppola did not direct Power of Dogs so that, that they, they could rejoice in this together. <laughs> so I've only, again, I've only seen one of these. And while I like Miss Ellis's performance, I don't, I haven't seen the other ones to really like weigh against them. Uh, so now it's just a matter of what other movies are up there and what other names do I, I recognize? And I would think it's probably Kirsten Dunst, which would make you happy. That would that will make me tap dance around uh, around on Oscar night for sure because I just like that. That's it's a that's a very good, very long career um, that just needs to be at some point recognized um, for what she's done and what she's contributed to everybody and every to the industry, and not just in her Sofia Coppola roles. Yeah, since I think she is either my age or a year younger than me. Either way, since she started at 11, she's been doing this for 30 years. So uh, that's quite longevity. It's probably longer than everybody on that list except for Judy Dench. So if they want it, if it's a tough decision and they want to come down to, you know, 
um, a career achievement award, then yes, now is the time to give it to Kirsten Dunst. And it's a deserving performance. Um, du Bois is awesome in West Side Story. Lost Daughter, it's just a profound performance all the way around for all everybody involved in that movie. Um, I was surprised, honestly, with as much love as Lost Daughter got and the fact that they left Bienville off of the best directors list, um, that they would have put Maggie Gyllenhaal on that list, uh, which I think would have been one of the first times in history you would have had two female directors in the category. Um, but, and, and Dame Judy Dench is just Dame Judy Dench, man. Like, she's, she's just going to kill any role she's in is always going to be be you know worthy of an of recognition by her peers so i think and i hope that this is kirsten dunce's award to win if not uh, i'll go with jesse buckley for the lost daughter okay and i i do know what the lost daughter is i had to look it up and see that it's the the maggie gyllenhaal film but i've only really found out about that like in the last really literally like the last couple of days yeah, it's it's again when we went through in last week last the last episode about going through the the various guilds and various um, the various guilds nominations. I hope that you can you can see that a lot of what we have here are a lot of the same names from those same branches. Mm-hmm. So when you start hearing, for example, being the Ricardos over and over and over again, you understand that they're going to be nominated. Same thing with The Lost Daughter. When you start hearing it over and over and over again, you know, to look for it in the nominations. But again, but again, guys like me and you are in this stuff week in and week out, and we start hearing about Oscar movies in July. Um, the average moviegoer, the average person, again, Grandma Pearl in Wichita, Kansas, doesn't may not hear about them until they've been out for 10 weeks and they get nominated. So, you know, we're just, we just kind of live in this bubble. Yep, you're right. So the best, uh, best animated feature film, the nominees for best animated feature film are Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. I count one, two, three Disney movies. Yep, that's it. So, and I don't, and I don't think any of the Disney movies win. Ooh, so that means you're going with Mitchell's versus the Machines. I am. Okay, well, so one, this is probably the this is the category that I would say the general population knows the most about. So take for that what you want. Um, two. This is the one I've seen. I've seen almost all of these. I've seen all of them except for Flea. And I just looked up what Flea is. And I th- I think that is that movie. I want to see it because I think it's going to be incredibly interesting because it's not, you know, here we think of animation in, in not in one way or one style, but we don't think of like serious dramas as animation because most of the times we don't get them quite that way. This looks like a serious drama. It's about um, it's about a guy. He's about to marry his husband, and then he it, it basically recounts him fleeing his native country of Afghanistan and going to Denmark. We don't really get a whole bunch of animated features like that, so 
that's probably why it's nominated. It's probably really good. I want to see it to give it a chance. But when you have three Disney movies, it's hard to say that the Disney movies won't win. And I actually like, well, I like two of them better than, than one. I think they're all fine. But yeah, I would think Mitchell's versus the machine. It will probably come down to Mitchell's versus the machines and Encanto. I would kind of lean towards Mitchell's versus the machines, except if there's a category that Disney owns, it's animated film. And I think, with, especially with Lin Manuel being involved and the diversity of it all, I think Encanto is going to win. It's it's the one. It's probably the most popular of all these on the list. It's the one that came out the latest of all these on the list. We still talk about the songs from Encanto to this day, which is going to be a point of contention when we get to that category. So I think Encanto wins. I think Mitchell's versus Machines is like the the underdog in this one. And I I my only hope is that people give a little bit more love to Luca because. I really like that one, and my kid really likes that one. So it's a little—it's one of those little special places for me. I love Mitchell's versus the machines. The only concern that I have with the movie is, if you go back and look at the Academy's history, they're not big fans of Lord and Miller, um, and even in the animated realm, they're not big fans of of Lord. Exception of the the I don't even the cloud the cloudy movies didn't get didn't win right. They got nominated, but they didn't win right. I think so, yes. So, I mean, and we all know the history of the Lego movie. Uh, they gave it a big musical number, but didn't nominate it. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's like I, the three Disney movies are all like Raya, actually, I like more than Luca or Encanto. Um, but I think it will be uh, either the Mitchells versus Machine or Encanto. And I'll go with Mitchells versus Machines. <laughs> My, the only other thing about Mitchell's versus Machines, because Netflix, well, Netflix, the Netflix of it all is going to be an interesting dynamic because they led the nominations again. Yeah, I want to see how they work through that. Uh, I think they kind of have. Well, they've given them awards, but it's kind of begrudgingly. Now they're they're going to have to like just really accept it. But the Netflix of it is one thing, and. Lord and Miller got an award for Into the Spider-Verse. So if, if they're evaluating all, all those things, people can't, I don't think people can point and say you're denying the better movie because it's just, you know, it's not Disney and it's, this, and it's these guys when these guys have already beaten a Disney movie. So I think they'll acknowledge it, but Encanto is probably going to win it. All right, let's move on. Uh, the award, uh, the Academy, the nominees for Best Cinematography, Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Your thoughts, sir? As you, have, as you, as you can tell my immediate belief for the fact that Nightmare Alley is a thing. Yeah, that that stuck out to me solely because I figured you would appreciate that. Uh, so I, I've only seen Tragedy Macbeth on on this list, and I I like the cinema, cinematography of that because, 
you know we know it's a movie but they still give it the way it's shot and the lighting and everything it still feels it feels kind of like a play uh not not entirely not like a not like those plays that are turned into movies it feels like a movie but it's structurally it's structurally built and shot to remind you that this is based on play material and it kind of has that feel of a big it's a big set but it's also like the kind of things you would see in an elaborate play if a play was able if you were able to translate a play to a movie in across the medium this is what that is and i thought that was really interesting um now we have this is i think this is the first time we're going to talk about dune today i haven't seen it don't have any interest in seeing it but i understand that it's uh beautiful to look at so i don't i would think that dune would get as many awards as it possibly can avoiding the big awards so i think this kind of feels like one that would be that would go to doom i mean for me this is a extremely tough category because all of these nominees the cinematography plays a key part in the look in the way the film is constructed dune you know, uh, if you listen to Bienville talk at any point over the last six months, you've heard him talk intricately about how involved he was in every detail of the of the filmmaking process, making sure that they were dedicated to the uh, dedicated to bringing the book to life in as close to realistic fashion as possible. And when Dune came out, even in the trailer form, people were commenting on the cinematography. Nightmare Alley again without the way that that is shot and colored and and designed their entire scenes where del toro is literally like i'm going to tell the actor to do very little because everything about the the way that i'm going to shoot this and the way the set is designed is going to tell the audience exactly what i want them to know about this scene and so you know that the lush colors and and the the way that the framing and the way that the, everything in the carnival in the first hour is set. And then once you move to the city for the second hour and the way that, that is shot and the way that, that is presented, the fact that you can have the, uh, that you can present the film with a lush color palette in full color and then drain the color palette and do black and white, still have the, the everything come across is, is a very, like, it's a very key element to the success of the film, in my view. Power of Dog is a wonderful Western and shot in a particular Western way. And that's not easy to do in this day and time. Just ask, uh, just ask um, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Tragedy of Macbeth is shot in black and white. And one of the things that I like about it is, as, as you said, it feels like you're just watching a Hopkins black box play shot on film um they they keep all that that kind of element to it and i just it, some of these shots the shots and tragedy of Macbeth are gorgeous and they're designed really well and then west side story is all about blocking right it's all about quote unquote restaging one of the greatest musicals ever made and 
one of the things that Spielberg is getting immense praise for is that he rearranges some things in the material. He changes the location. He changes certain things about the musical that don't offend people, but make the, the musical better. And uh, the cinematography and the lighting for that is, is just beyond the pale in helping him achieve those things. So for me, all these films are deserving. It's a very tight race, um, but I will go with Nightmare Alley over Dune just simply because I think that Nightmare, Al Nightmare Alley's cinematography adds more to the overall experience of that film than Dune's does to that film. Well, we'll see, but I, I get you. All right. The best no nominees for best costume design. Uh, Cruella, which is, you know, a fashion-driven movie. Uh, Crino, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. Your thoughts, sir? See, this, this category is period pieces always tend to do well in this category. And then, but then you also have, so you have... Uh, Siriano, and then you have West Side Story. It's not so much of a period piece, but it is taking us back to what the fifties. Yep. And then there's Nightmare, Dune. Nightmare Alley is set in the in before the war, and after the Great Depression. Okay, so another one is in the same vein as West Side Story. Then there, so and well, before I get to Dune. Cruella is kind of in that too because it takes place in I, I want to say the 1960s London. Yeah, that's it. So a bunch of period pieces and then Doom, which is you know your your sci-fi kind of stuff. So the conventional wisdom would tell me that you go with the the really truly period piece of the bunch, which would be Siriano. The only one I've seen is Cruella, and I really like the things that they did with that. And a huge part of just the story of this Cruella is about the fashion and the costumes and stuff. So they they really went in with the costumes through the whole thing. So I I don't think it'll win. And having not seen the rest of them, I can't really say for certain that it should win. It just feels to me from what I've seen that it probably should win. Well, I mean, if you're looking at this list, Dune is just your typical high concept sci-fi where you do futuristic and unique things with the character designs. And a lot of them are spelled out by, uh, by the author in the book. So there's that. And I don't really feel like the, the coldness of some of the costuming aids the storytelling in that in that movie as well um west side story again you're talking about a period piece but again a lot of those costumes are designed and and the look and the feel of them are designed from the play and from the movie uh itself and cruella is the oddball in this category in that if you take if the if the costume design and the fashion design element of that movie don't doesn't work, then the whole film doesn't work. Exactly. And, and so it's very hard to judge that against something like Nightmare Alley, where again, if you listen to Del, Del, Del Toro talk, the costume design and the set design and the um, the costume design, the set design, hair and makeup, 
um, you know, cinematography, editing, they're all woven, woven together to make that film and make it work. And so the costume design is a very intricate part of making that film work as well. Um, but you're right, uh, you know, Crino is, uh, it, you know, is the only true period piece, but I, I would say that it's probably going to be, uh, I'll, I'll give, give it to Corella for just the simple fact that if you're awarding best costume design, to me, costume design means um, that the film, like it aids the film and without it, something is diminished from the film. And I think that Cruella is the best example of that. That is an excellent point. Uh, I like that logic, not just because they're supporting what I want to win. Well, that's just typically how you should look at the craft categories. You should the craft category should be looked at as how if you took this element and what this person did out of the film and they exchanged it with somebody else's work, would it aid the film? Would the film be made better or would the film be made worse? That's like how you should look at all the craft categories because you don't get to be a best director nominee or a best picture nominee without a team of people working together to create something special and like all these directors are inter interweave interweaving all of their department heads together working as one accord to create a piece of art but it's which one does it better and which what parts of the craft categories are more intricate to which films for example I'd say cinematography is more important to Macbeth, the tragedy of Macbeth, than say uh, costume design is to Macbeth. Um, I would say that set design is more important to Nightmare Alley than it is to Belfast. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where my head goes when you talk about uh, the craft categories. Well, that's 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 a good way to think about it, particularly for people that don't really know or grasp what the craft categories do. I think that's a good baseline way for people to uh, to think about it. Well, it's it's the way we talk about things in sports, right? Like mm -hmm. if if you take if you take you know um, John Elway off those Broncos teams of the '80s and late '80s, early '90s. Do they go to four Super Bowls? You know, you take Jim Kelly off those Bills teams, they go to four Super Bowls. Like, you know, that's the way, a way for you to determine whether or not they're a valuable player is what, what baseball calls wins above replacement, right? Mm -hmm. So I just think that it's an easy way to, to get your head around the craft categories. Right on. So let's move to the nominees for best director. Uh, this was a surprise uh, where the surprise of things came in. Um, Belfast, Kenneth Burra, Drive My Car, Rizuka Hamajia. I, I butchered that, I apologize. Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, Power of Dog, James Campion, um, and West Side Story, Steven Spielberg. Your thoughts, sir? on a Bienville-less best director race replaced by the dude who did drive my car. Yeah, that yeah. is the big news out of this category is that uh, Villeneuve is not here 
especially considering all the other accolades that Dune has gotten for uh, for this this year's nominations. And you know, again, I haven't seen it, but I I would agree with the people that are saying, well, all of the it's nominated for all these categories, but you're going to tell me that it's he shouldn't be nominated for directing when he is directly responsible for all of these categories. I get it. I don't know if he should have won or not, but I think he deserved a nomination. And because again, considering like, I think it's very much warranted when you take into effect all those, all the other nominations it's got. Plus, it's the biggest name movie you have. You would think that that would like put it up, put it over a little bit with people, but. Uh, does the directing category have the hard fast rule of five, or is it like the best picture where it can be up to no, it, a certain it has, it, it has the hard and fast. Okay. So now at this point, it's about well, if he should have been there, who should be taken off? I can't answer that because I have yet to see any of these movies. I mean, Spielberg is Spielberg, so it seems like he's going to because it's this movie and it's Steven Spielberg, he's going to be nominated. Like Doom, Power of Dogs is nominated in all these other categories, so it makes sense. At the, at the very basic level, it makes sense that Jane Campion is going to be there. Lots of people seem to like licorice pizza, so I get Paul Thomas Anderson. I've heard of Belfast only in the last few days, and I know it's Kenneth Branagh, and Kenneth Branagh is a great director. And then there's Drive My Car, which I've I've heard of and I've heard people I've heard that people have an appreciation for the movie, but I don't know anything about it. So if you want a Villeneuve on there, I think what like what you said coming into this is you're taking off the Drive My Car guy. And I don't know if that is fair. So I need the movie people to tell me who should we take off if we're putting Villeneuve on there. And it, would that be warranted in your opinion? Yeah, and this is this is to me, this is to me just like the best picture race is completely up in the air. Um, you know, this is not that much different from the DGA list. This isn't much different from the WGA list. Like the these were like the common denominators when you talked about best directing. And Drive My Car, while it's not nominated for as many Oscars as Dune is, and it's not nominated in the technical categories as much as Dune is, it is nominated for Best International Feature, just like Parasite was a couple of years ago. So it's obviously from Japan. It's it's a huge, like, like there's a reason the dude should be nominated for Best Director, um, just because he isn't his film is not as effects driven or set driven or care and makeup driven as, as Dune. Um, but then again, I'm also the guy who was very frustrated that Wes Anderson made, um, Wes Anderson made Grand Budapest Hotel and all it swept through the technical categories and person after person after person got up on that stage and thanked the director and singled out how much the director helped and how his vision was singular and how they were all following his vision. 
and then the guy loses the best director nominee you know, award. You know, it's it's like this is part of people's general problem with the Academy is how can you tell me that a film is worthy of being nominated ten times, including for best picture, but not the guy who's leading the charge be worthy of you know, a best director nominee, uh, winning the best director, or even being nominated for the best director movie. The last time I can remember this much uproar over a snub in the directing categories would be our, our guy Ben Affleck for Argo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the difference here is Bienville's going to have a shot next year. They're going to shoot Dune 2. They're going to put Dune 2 out. And, you know, they could very well do it. You know, they may be holding off to reward him for finishing the the uh finishing the sequels you know the the two the two parts i think you're being because if you remember lord of the rings got nominated a bunch for fellowship and two towers but didn't start winning until return of the king was out yeah i think you're being very generous uh because they could, they could have just nominated him this year. Grant again, that does require kicking somebody off, and they don't want to have to make that decision. But it didn't. It didn't have to. He didn't have to win. But say, if their if their rationale is well, we know he's doing another one of these. We can just make it up to him then. That's that's just kind of a crappy rationale. I'm. What I'm going to say is not a knock on him or anything or what I'm wishing, but the next one could suck. Like he could put it, he could go and try to make another one and make it just as good. And that one could suck and he's not going to get nominated. But this one that seems to be worthy is right here in front of you right now. And people chose not to put him on because they would have to take somebody off that would probably upset people or probably looked at as an even bigger snub. Just, I mean, just looking at the list, I would think um, it's probably, I mean, if you're kicking somebody off, it's either Spielberg, Paul Thomas Anderson, or Brana. You kick off any one of those three for Villeneuve, people will say, yes, Villeneuve deserved it, but he's Steven Spielberg. You can't kick him off. Or Paul Thomas Anderson's made all these other ones that we really like. You can't kick him off. Brana's made these great films before. We can't really kick him off. So yes, I I when you break it down like that, I think your your thought that well he's going to make another one and we can make it up to him probably comes into into factor in decisions. I think that's crappy. There's no guarantee he gets back there. You deal with what's dealt to you right now, and I know that there are people that don't think one of those three had a better film than Doom. I mean, it, it's interesting for me. It, I mean, it's, it's just a, you know, for example, Spielberg just got nominated for his six, like across six decades. He's the first, first director to be nominated in six different decades. Um, Burra just got nominated for his eighth Oscar and his seventh in seven different categories. Like, you know, uh, PTA has always been a favorite. Like, it, it, it's been a lot of a lot of history in this category for some of these individuals. Um, it's just it feels wide open, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go 
with Campion, who, you know, had was nominated for the piano a long time ago in 1994 and is a woman. And it would be, I believe, the first time in history you'd have back-to-back female Best Director winners. Um, Spielberg, they clearly seem to love West Side Story, so it would not that would not be a surprise. Um, but really, to me, Belfast is sneaky. And uh, it, it it's a biopic, uh, semi-autobiographical biopic um, of sorts. And so it's, it's, it's about Ireland and growing up in the troubles and all the things. I, like, I think it would be, it'll probably be Burra, uh, Brenna. And I think Spielberg would be my second choice. That's, I see, I can't make any arguments to the contrary. I think that'll be okay. All right, so let's move on to best documentary feature, Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul, and Writing with Fire. Your thoughts, sir, on uh, best documentary feature? Well, it's nice to see, well, we see Flea here again, uh, which when I looked it up, I didn't realize it was a documentary. That is That makes that even more interesting i have seen one of these which was summer of soul which was directed by uh if any music fans out there the band the roots jimmy not jimmy kimmel what's the other one jimmy fallon jimmy fallon's house band on uh the tonight show the drummer of the band the roots is quest love and quest love is the man that directed summer of soul uh it it's a documentary about um, a concert in the 60s that was kind of called the Black uh, Woodstock that it and the footage was never used and he went and made this documentary of it. I really enjoyed that. So again, that is my fa- my sentimental favorite because it's the only one I've seen. I uh, Documentaries is always kind of, you know, you just kind of see them. It's kind of whenever you can find a see them, it's it's just whatever you feel with, but Summer of Soul is where I'm leaning. I, I really want to see Flea now, just know, as I keep learning more about it through this show. It seems really more interesting, but, you know, with documentaries, it's, I can't ever call it because so few people see them, and most people only see a few, and that's where I'm at with it right now. All right, I, I'm gonna say that it's it's you know it's probably Summer of Soul. I get uh, I get that uh, I, I get that kind of um, "Won't You Be My Neighbor" vibe of like the most accessible, the most uh, visible documentary on this list. Um, you know, I think that would that would make the most sense. And and again, it it leans into the diversity and all of that, and and. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It, it's kind of like those documentaries on Black Wall Street that are now making the rounds because people have, you know, found out through Watchmen and that was a thing. You know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But I think I think Summer of Soul, and if it's not Summer of Soul, I think Flea, considering Flea was good enough to be nominated for Best Animated Feature, um, it should also be, you know, able to take on Best Documentary uh, Feature. 
The nominees for Best, Direct, uh, Best Documentary Short Subject, Audible, Lead Me Home, The Queen of Basketball, Three Songs for Benzier, and When We Were Bullies. Your thoughts, sir? The only one I've heard of is The Queen of Basketball which is actually on YouTube. I had it pulled up for the longest. I just never watched it. Um, so again, it's the same thing with the feature documentaries, but even more so with the shorts. They come, and most people don't even know they exist. So this is the first time people are going to be hearing about them. I got nothing on who's going to win. So I will say Queen of Basketball. Again, it's because it's the one I've seen, but... uh. I look forward to finding out more about each of these as we go along. Um, yeah, I, I look forward to learning more. Um, I've heard good things about the three songs of Benzier. Um, it, it seems kind of like where they would, they would go, but queen of basketball, um, is also very, uh, you know, very broad and, and something that people could very easily get behind. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Queen of Basketball, if not three songs for Benzier. All right. All right. So let's move on. Um, film edit best uh, the Academy Award for film achievement in film editing. Don't look up. Dune, King Richard, Power of Dog, Tick Tick Boom. Just looking at the list, I would imagine that this would be Dune. I there's I see no other reason for it to not be Dune. I, again, I've only seen King Richard. Uh, I don't know enough about editing to to say what made it so great in that movie or not. With Dune, I know that you can you can see it more for like lay people. You can see it more, so. That would be that's where I would lean with this. I, I'd argue you can see and feel the editing more importantly in Tick Tick Boom than you can in Doom. Um, and Power of Dog also has some good transitions and uh, some tight story structures that that editing helps. Um, so I'm gonna go with uh, with Tick Tick Boom followed by the Power of Dog. And I fully expect like people to start getting up in arms if we get halfway through this this damn ceremony and and Dune is yet to win an award. Oh, that yeah. That, if that's the case on the night, uh, people will be losing their minds. Twitter will be a fun place to be. Oh yeah. Best uh, the Academy uh, the Academy Award nominations for Best International Feature Film: Drive My Car, Flea. And Hand of God, uh, Lunina, a Yak in the Classroom, and The Worst Person in the World. Uh, three of these I've heard of. Um, and of course, one is, I think, the two of them, I think, are co-favorites. If you're, if you were looking at betting odds. It has to be Drive My Car and Flee, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, worst also, Person in the World is also getting some run, but not near as much run as Drive My Car or Flee. Because, yeah. again, you've got to look at what the Academy itself is nominating. And if it's good enough to get nominated in multiple categories, well, then it just stands to reason and logic. Yeah. So 
Flea is nominated for Best Animated, Best Documentary. Uh, Drive My Car is in uh, with the Best Director. So, it, yeah, I would agree. It's one of those two. I Drive My Car isn't in... Uh, isn't up for best picture, is it? Um, I believe. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. So with that being said, it's going to be Drive My Car because I don't see how you cannot be the best international feature film if you're also going to be nominated for best picture of the year. Which which is everybody's logic whenever there's a best international feature that is nominated for best picture, as was the case a couple of years ago with, uh, with Parasite. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. The Academy Award for nominations for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. We have Coming to America 2, which would have been uh, Paramount's only Academy Award nomination, but they sold it off to Amazon. Cruella, um, <laughs> Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and one of the very, very, very few nominations for The House of Gucci. Your thoughts, sir? Um... I want to treat this like with the criteria, like you set up for, uh, for costuming. And I've, so it kind of knocks out coming to America for me. It makes me think of Cruella, but I mean, the makeup's important, but not as much as the costuming was in the, just the story of that film. So I would, well, how many alien things are there in Doom? Like, how many make made up people as aliens are there in Doom? Um, so the big the big issue there is uh, uh, what's our our boy Eric Selwig? What's his name? Um, um uh, Sarsgar. Yeah. So he he plays the rather large, um, big boss uh, of the. Uh, of the movie where he's the one who orders the hit on the family and he's just literally a giant blob of flesh <laughs> that at one point is naked in a hot tub um so he's the biggest um makeup wise practical effect uh there's always some good work done on uh on oscar isaac's beard um brolin has some good design to him but but really um the number of hours that dude had to stay in a chair and the amount of work they did for him would, would put them on this list. However, I do not think that any of them hold the candle to the makeup work and eyes of Tammy Faye. What is Tammy? What was Tammy Faye Baker known for? Yeah, this is true. This is true. And, and it completely aids uh, Chastain's performance. So if you're going to say that Chastain is, you know, worthy of winning best actress you can't say that without the makeup and hairstyling that aid tremendously aid her performance it's like saying rooney malik you know deserves an academy award without for uh for bohemian rhapsody without thanking the costume department that uh awarding the costume department that gave him his fake teeth <laughs> yeah i forgot the i forgot that aspect of uh eyes with tammy faye and how they would have had to be made up so yes that that changed my answer. I will go with Isaac Tempe. Like, even up until the day she died, she was known for her makeup. Yeah. And and, and the, the eyeliner and all of the things. And and there were some incredible shots, um, photography shots taken um, 
when when all that stuff with Jim was going down of her crying in the the, the smearing of the eyeliner. So um, yeah, I, I definitely for me this is a, a lock for eyes of Tammy Faye. So let's go to Chad's favorite categories: best original score, don't look <laughs> up, Dune, Encanto. Parallel Mothers, The Power of Dog. I guess we should throw the V in there. I yeah. guess we should throw the V in there at some point. So just constantly referring to its power of dogs. Yeah. Power of the dog. <laughs> That's right. I completely looked over that second article, but you're right. You're right. Um, so, again, only score I've heard is Encantos. And while I so I like the score. Encanto and the music in Encanto is it's interesting to me because when I first saw it, I thought the music was the weakest part of the film. Uh, and I I throw the score in with that. And it was on subsequent viewings and everything else that I came around. I was like, no, you were tripping. The music's kind of good. With that said, I think the score kind of blends in so effortlessly with everything else and the music that goes around that it is I cannot I cannot think of any beats of the score right now so you can either look at that as a good thing and that it is so ingrained into what's going on with the movie that it fits in so seamlessly you don't even think about it or a bad thing that you can't think of what the music sounds like in the score so it might not be that good um I've heard not a note of the rest of these, so I don't want to really say anything except note that Hans Zimmer is nominated again for Dune. Zimmer is, uh, while not in a class with John Williams, he is, he probably should be. Who turned 90 today, by the way. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, he's still with us. Zimmer might be, yeah, Zimmer might be, it might be time for us to start, start thinking of him similarly to John Williams. I, I think most people think of him like there's John Williams tier and then, then the tier right below it and Zimmer is in that tier but I think we can bump him up and maybe another Academy Award win will do that but I can't tell you for sure what what a note of Doom sounds like. Um, I put Zimmer in that same that same category with uh, Sylvester Um. Where you, where you just have created uh, Elfman, Sylvestri, and Zimmer said in that same category for me of like iconic score creators who are just, who aren't John Williams, you know? Um, and Dune, Zimmer creates such beautiful music and has such, such passion and intensity for that project and for what the director wanted to do there. Um, and it aids the film greatly. And that's, again, my criteria there. Um, I really, I really like Dune, uh, the score for Dune. Um, I'm not about anything involved with Don't Look Up. Um, so the only other one that on this list that I really, really enjoyed was the score for uh, Power of Dog, which really aided the Western aesthetic um, that they were going for. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Power of Dog, Power of the Dog, and uh, and Dune. If not, I think that's because, like, they're, they're the way that I look at that is 
are there moments where the director is blatantly like toning down the acting performance to let the score breathe? And are there moments where the score is aiding the performances of the, of the actors? And I think in and I think in both those cases it does. There there are moments certainly in Dune and then certainly in the Power of Dog where that can be said. All right, let's move on to best original song. Be Alive from King Richard, Dos Agaritos from Encanto, not the one everybody was expecting, Down to Joy from Belfast. No Time to Die, continuing the long, long, long reign of James Bond songs to get nominated for Oscars, but not win them. And then somehow you do from Four Good Days. Your thoughts, sir? On On the controversy of the moment, the most popular song from a Disney movie not being nominated. All right, so before the nominations came out, I just knew, I knew that We Don't Talk About Bruno was going to be up for original song for Encanto. And when it was, I think after seeing the big ones, this was a a category I went straight down to because I wanted to see if that was going to be the case because I just knew it. And to not see it there, I was like, that is surprising. And then I see this is uh, Dos Dos Argaritas is the song that got nominated from Encanto instead. And I understand why. While we don't talk about Bruno, it's incredibly popular and everybody likes it. It is an earworm. Dos Ogaritos, if you've seen Encanto, that is the song at the end that tells the story of how, basically how the family got to where they are. It shows the grandmother as a young woman with her children and her husband trying to escape uh, where they came from and the tragedy that strikes in there. And that song is entirely in Spanish. So I know a lot of people will hear it and they see the the visuals in that scene is enough to tell you what's really going on to convey the emotions. I have yet to do this, but I know people that have gone and have read the lyrics in English. And the result is that they end up crying. I ain't got time for that right now. So that's why I haven't done it. But that all goes into why I'm pretty sure this is the one that went in because story-wise, this one has more story weight than we don't talk about Bruno. It is a very beautiful song. Like when you hear it being played at the at the Academy Awards, and then it's going to be sung in Spanish, you're going to hear how beautiful the song it is. So I think that's why the, that one made it. People are going to be upset and they're going to want, we don't talk about Bruno, but I, for an Academy Award, I understand why this is the pick. And if you, if you go back and look at it, watch the scene, if you want to cry and read the lyrics, go ahead and knock yourself out. I think after you do those things, you will, you will be on board with my thinking that the reasons why this one made it and that we don't talk about Bruno. Now, with all that being said, I've only ever heard one other song from this. It's the Be Alive song from King Richard. It it works for the, I think it's the ending credit scene. It works to like, you know, cap off the movie. It fits the theme of the movie that way. Uh, I, I wouldn't have thought of it for 
an original song nomination, but I get it. I get why. To to say that we have a James Bond song on here, I have never heard No Time to Die, but I haven't seen the movie yet either, so I have no opinions about it. So I think I think to me it'll probably come it'll probably be Dos Arcaritas that wins. But if if the James Bond song won, I would not be surprised either. Uh, well, I mean, the Billie Eilish thing, um, again, they're they're continuing trying to finding the biggest names out there and getting them to do them. And of course, um, if 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 Spectre can win a can be nominated for for an award for best original song, certainly you can do that for No Time to Die. I, I just think they're going to go with the with uh, Dos Agaritos from Encanto, and I think that's the way that they're going to go. The one on here that I'm most interested to hear is somehow you do from Four Good Days, which I haven't heard. So you've heard the one from Four Good Days? No, I have not. Okay. So, so I was saying I'm, that's the one that I'm most interested to hear. All right, so. Let's move on to production design. So the, uh, the Academy Award nominations for uh, achievement in production design, Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Your thoughts, sir? <sighs> Wait, which one are you on? Oh, okay. Per- I, yeah, see, I, I see what you did. Uh, I I really really like the design of Macbeth, but it's re- compared to everything else, it's probably going to be the simplest design of all of the rest of them. But it just the feeling of it really being a movie style version of a play, and how the how it was designed, how it was shot, how it was lighted. I really liked all of that, but I would I would think that this is going to be a Dune, West Side Story race. Maybe Nightmare Alley, and I'm sure that's probably where you want to go. Uh, but again, just from what I know of these films, I would think it's going to be one of those one of those two. And if we're saying Dune keeps <laughs> Every time we bring up Doom, we keep saying it strikes out. I would think he wants to hit one of them, and maybe this is it. So I want to go back and um, list off the last uh, dozen or the last 10, um, the last 10 winners in this category um, and just see if you can can think of a, a, a vibe or like a, a theme here. Okay. Lincoln in 2012, Greg Gatsby in 2013, Grand Budapest Hotel in 2014, Mad Max Fury Road in 2015, La La Land in 2016, Shape of Water in 2017, Black Panther in 2018, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood 2019, Mank in 2020, and uh, Mank in 2020. What, What can you pick up on there? They're, they're kind of all over the places. You got a few big budgets in there. Then you have a few period pieces in there. 
and then you have like i guess you would say the the indie or small film darlings in there i i, I don't really know what i, I don't really it's see true. the theme Intricately designed sets that accentuate the movie. Think about Lincoln, for example, in the details of recreating the 1800s White House. Um, think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, recreating 1960s Hollywood. Think about Mad Max Fury Road and creating the look and the feel of that crazy, insane world in both a practical and CGI way. Think, uh, think about Mank and once again, recreating uh, uh, the uh, the West Hall the old Hollywood sets, um, intricacy and necessity of story are big elements in what the last ten or ten or so best design winners have gotten uh, have been for. And so, for that matter, I really think you're looking at two films. I think you're looking at Nightmare Alley, and I think you're looking at uh, West Side Story. Um, and I think that to me. Uh, Nightmare Alley again is just so interwoven in there, and I know I'm I'm gonna strike out on this because like I know it's not gonna win four out of four, um, but you know if it can pick up two out of the four, I'll be happy. And I think production design and uh, costume design should all should be those two. I mean, the only other thing you can say is that Dune with the ink uh, with the uh, with the way that they have to idiosyncratically put those sets together and how the infill wants to make things, everything in the shot look perfect to make sure that certain things show or show in a certain way, you could possibly say that. But but I, I think that overall Nightmare Alley lends more, its production design lends more to the film than Dune's does. Hmm. And again, your production design on West Side Story hinges upon how you decorate a set the way that you would decorate it for a play, the same way with Macbeth. They're, re they're restaging a play is what they're doing. They're just filming it. And it's how you block and decorate, how you, how you construct and decorate those sets in a, in a way that's, you know, uh, important to the story. Yeah, which is why... <laughs> Which is why I really thought about West Side Story, and I think it would be either way in either scenario. I think it's it's a strong contender, if not the number two choice. But I, at some point, I think that I don't think they're going to shut Dune out, and this seems like one that they can easily just kind of lay up and say, "Look," and and say, "This this is one for you." But I agree. It's West Side Story, and I agree. I, I haven't seen. I don't know anything about Nightmare Alley, just because I didn't think it would be my thing. But I understand how. I understand how the production side of West Side Story should really be looked at in this category. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's got to be there in some capacity. Yeah, I know it's not going to be four out of four. That's just uh, that's just reality but i think that again it, it's just just difficult because if the anvil does go 0 for 10 which i don't think he's gonna do it's gonna gonna cause a stink so 
so let's move on to best uh, the Academy Award nomination for nominees for best animated short film. Uh, the nominees are Affairs of the Art, Barista, or, uh, Bestia, uh, Box Ballot, um, Robin Robin, and The Windshield Wiper. I got nothing on none of these. Um, I'll go with Box Ballot, and if not Box Ballot, Affairs of the Art, because both sound like uh, sound like interesting films that would uh, lend themselves. Uh, to the Academy, uh, looking favorably upon them. Short, live action short, the nominees for live action short film. Um, uh, Aliyah Akua, Take and Run, The Dress, The Long Goodbye, On My Mind, and Please Hold. Um, my, um, my favorite in this category is Long Goodbye, because you're dealing with Alzheimer's and, and and you're dealing with saying goodbye to a parent and all of those those kind of things. Okay. Oh, and so Riz Ahmed is a part of this one. Is he in this one? I believe so, yes. Okay. Um, and for that reason, I would go with that one as well because I don't know any of these sh live shorts either. So let's move on to sound design. Uh, best, uh, the Academy Award nominations for best uh, for achievement in sound design. Dune, Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, in The West Side Story. Your thoughts, sir? Hmm. I would think, again, going off limited information, West Side Story because sound involves all of the other different sounds, not just the the musical the musical elements. And I've the clips I've seen, it seems like they do some interesting things with sound. So I will say that, but I don't really have a dog in this particular fight. Uh, Power of Dog is a western. Westerns are always something you want to look for, um, look out for in the sound design categories. Uh, sound design and Foley artists and that kind of a thing on a Bond movie are also something you want to look out for. This is the one where you said earlier you thought that uh, you thought that um, production design was a layup for uh, for uh, Dune. This is the one that I think is a layup for Dune. I think I think sound and VFX are going to be the uh, the the way that they go for uh, for Dune as far as making sure it gets something. Twitter will not be happy. Well, I mean, again, you also have to come at this again from the fact that they have a sequel and they're going to get nominated again next year. The movie can be crappy and they still get, like, again, the Lord of the Rings trilogy got nominated all three films but didn't start winning till the third film. Like, they, this is a thing that they do. It's, it's the, uh, it's, it's as stupid to me as the, it's, your time thing where it's like okay so Scor scorsese has like nine nominations across seven decades across uh five decades but you know he has one win <laughs> because it was his time and i'd argue that the that if you judge and you weigh um the the, the departed against i don't know taxi driver or the last temptation of the christ I'd say that those two movies are better than The Departed, but The Departed won. 
hell, of his movies in the 2000s, I'd say The Aviator was a better movie than The Departed. But here we are. Um, I, I just, I hate that notion of it's your time. And, and, and like uh, when Jim was on with us talking about, I was expressing my utter joy and pleasure for uh, Nightmare Alley. And he was like, yeah, I could even easily see the Academy overlooking that and just going, yeah, we, we recognized Del Toro, you know, a couple of years ago. We don't need to recognize him again. Like that, that's not how this thing should go at all. So like, it, it shouldn't be like, oh, well, we nominated him 10 times. We need to make sure he gets three Oscars or no, we'll catch him next time. Yeah, I, I, I really hate that thinking, but you know, they, they've shown a tendency to do it. All right, so let's move on to everybody's favorite category, visual effects. <laughs> the only place where you can find Marvel movies. Um, the nominees for Best Achievement and Outstanding Achievement in Visual Effects. Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Chad's Movie of the Year, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Can't say they shut the movie out, Chad. Yeah, that's whatever. I, getting a Best Picture nomination was a, a long shot. Anyway, I the people that argue for it, I understand their reasoning. I agree with it to a point. But again, we talked about that disconnect that the Oscars are going to have to fix. Because uh, otherwise, people are going to be like, the only movie, I, the only movies people know are in the animated feature and this one. This is this is by far this is probably the most popular uh, feature uh, award, um, popular wise, on the whole show, and it's one that's going to get rewarded kind of quickly and shuffled off really fast. And the most popular movies aren't going to well, the 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 box office most popular movies are not going to win it. The Spider Man's not winning this. Shaun Chi's not winning this. Yeah, this is probably this is probably Dunes. I, I am I am happy that Free Guy made it up here. I have still, considering that was like my movie of the year like two years ago, I still haven't seen it, but it's about to start streaming this month. So I'll finally fix that. I, I'm happy to see that up there. At least it's something, you know, it's it's new and probably not expected. But yeah, this should probably be Dune. If there's no reason this should not be Dune. Yeah, it's Dune. Um, no Time to Die is not as VFX heavy as some other Bond films, and they're not going to reward Marvel in any kind of way. Nope. Free Guy Free Guy fits our criteria, right? Like, you take the VFX out of Free Guy, and you have no movie. Literally, you just have Ryan Reynolds on a green screen. Um, <laughs> but I think this will be, this will be new. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the last three categories. Not the uh, Academy Award nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay. Coda, available on Apple Plus. Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of Dog. Power of the Dog, sorry. So to me, this should probably come down to one of those best picture movies. In which we have three. We have Drive My Car, we have Dune, we have The Power of the Dog. Well, first, I think we do this every year. Adapted screenplay 
is a screenplay that is the it adapted is from, from adapted from existing material whether yes. that's the best way that the best thing that i always use to illustrate this is uh you know denzel with all of his denzel money for the last five years has taken it and put it into to producing august wilson plays mm. uh for film and i think the next thing he's doing is actually another august wilson play for film um but like fences is a play um uh what was the uh, Chaswick Bowman's Bozeman's uh, last film? Uh, um, uh, Black Bottom. Ma Rainey's yeah, Black Bottom. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Those are August Wilson plays, and what a writer then does is adapts, takes and adapts um, August Wilson's play for the screen, um, and that's what you would have as an adapted screenplay. Same as Dune. Dune was a book. They took the book. And they adapt by Herbert, and they adapted it into a film. Yeah, it also can include uh, short films that are turned into feature-length films, as is the case with Whiplash. And I didn't find that out until Whiplash. Yeah, adapted means adapted from any stream of entertainment in any stream of, of media. Um, so again, the nominees are Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter and the power of the dog. I'm gonna have trouble with that the entire award season because all I've only been referring to it as the power of dog. Like, honestly, yeah. until you said it, I I completely, like my brain completely shut out that second the, it was just gone. So your thoughts sir, on best animated, uh, best animated, best adapted <laughs> screenplay. So I think it's going to be, um, Uh, probably the power of the dog. I think it'll be whichever. I think whichever one is not going to win best picture, it increases the chances of the adapted screenplay. So, Drive My Car, Dune, Power of the Dog. I don't think it's going to be Dune. So it's either Drive My Car and, or Power of the Dog. So I'm going to go with Power of the Dog. Um, I mean, for me, it's it's. This is to me where the upset is going to come because I think that it's either going to be Drive My Car or The Lost Daughter. And I think that that's going to come as a surprise to a bunch of folks. But I think it's a need to, like, you, the Academy clearly has an affinity for The Lost Daughter the way they had an affinity for The Father a year ago. I think it's going to surprise people. And I think it's going to get some, get some things that people aren't necessarily expecting. And this is the one um, where I think it'll really shock some people. So I'm going to go with The Lost Daughter and then Drive My Car. It could end up being Power Dog. It could end up being Dune. But I just, the script's not the, like, the script's not the, the draw for Dune. The visual, the visual medium and just doing the thing is, is the appeal of Dune. So Drive My Car and The Lost Daughter for me. I can dig it. Right. Best original screenplay. Uh, or in other words, a screenplay based off an original concept or idea not uh, any existing supplemental material. The nominees for best achievement in original screenplay, uh, Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and The Worst Person in the World. Just off the list, I would think it's either Licorice Pizza or Belfast. 
Yeah, I don't quite get a good vibe of how the Academy or what the Academy thinks of Adam McKay. Um, and that's hard for me because like, I, I didn't like the movie. I'll just be flat out honest. Like in a world in which I have to deal with people all the time, I try to be optimistic about people and about their inherent goodness. And to sit there and especially as a political scientist who still holds up the idea and principles of politics as a vocation and government doing good things for, for people, to see no uh, don't look up, basically say, yeah, if this happened, none of us would care. We'd all go back to staring down at our phones and being rude and mean to each other. And our politicians wouldn't care because it would be inconvenient to them in their election processes. Like it, it literally banks it's it's a dark comedy because it's making fun of the fact that we are all selfish and inherently bad people who would not care about our own destruction because it's inconvenient to us. <laughs> and and I that is not that is a um, a neoconish view of humanity that I don't wish to embrace. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not on the don't look up train at all. Um, it's funny. And I, you know, there, there's something hilarious about Ariana Grande calling, um, Leonardo DiCaprio an old fuck, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just, like, I can't get behind it. I think it's, I think in this particular category, I think it's honestly either uh, licorice pizza or it's worst person in the world. Hmm. Okay, what though? Real quick, what is the worst person in the world? I've never heard of it before. It's international feature. Ah, it's okay. Okay. No see it. Yeah. So I mean, in Belfast. Is semi-autobiographical. We know how much the Academy likes that kind of stuff. And we know how much Burrah is important to everything everything he does. But I mean, it, it's just, again, I just, I just don't know. And I don't also know how King Richard is listening to an original screenplay. So I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, I don't get that either. I thought it was based on a book of some sort. But I couldn't remember that for sure. And by the look of this, I would have to say that it can't be based off a book in total. Maybe they took parts of different books. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was that stood out to me when I first saw it too. All right. So Chad, let's go to the big boy, the main event, the big category, the nominees for achievement uh, for the nominees. Uh, <laughs> the Academy Award nominees for Best Picture of the Year, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of, Do of the Dog, and West Side Story. So I oh, think... This is about as much of a toss-up as, as I can remember this early on in the process. And it'll narrow itself down as we go through the branches. But right now here on Oscar nomination day, I'm looking at this list and I can't see a clear front runner. 
I'm I'm with you, and I so I'll I can whittle my list down as the, the weeks go by because I'll be watching some or most of these. Just looking at it, I don't know. There's something about the the power of the dog that that stands out. Um, I don't I don't really, but I don't really know. I don't. What I do know is is not going to be doomed. I can I can almost safely say that it will not be doomed. I don't think it'll be drive my car. I don't think there'll be another, I don't, there'll be a foreign film that wins best picture again. I don't know if it, this will be that. Uh, it just seems like, you know, we just did that a little while ago. It seems like the Academy will be like, no, no, no. We need a break from doing that. We'll give, give us like another three or four years. We'll throw another one out to you. So it, to me, it kind of comes down to the power of the dog and licorice pizza. I don't think West Side Story is going to get it. I think it's up there because of Spielberg, but I don't think it's going to get it. Uh, Nightmare Alley is interesting to me, but I don't think that's going to get it either. So I kind of just think it's going to be between Licorice Pizza and Power, The Power of the Dog. And I think it'll be The Power of the Dog. I agree as of this moment that I think it's The Power of the Dog. I think Coda could be a surprise. I think um, I think Belfast could be a surprise, but um, again, we'll, once again, we'll know more as the gills file in, but I would also be inclined to say that it's power of the dog. The, the interesting thing to me, honestly, um, Chad, is licorice pizza with these nominations and the way that it's nominated throughout the guilds is giving off uh, spotlight vibes to me of the kind of movie that can really work under this voting format system where it's ranked choice vote ranked choice voting and you narrow the list down as you go i could very easily see licorice pizza being a film that a lot of people like not a lot of people love but a few people do and it gaining enough momentum and support to get enough on on enough ballots to garner enough points to win best picture i can see that I mean, because there are examples of that across the, the the time and the time and expanse of us using this this ranked choice system of voting. That um, you know, there are movies like Spotlight that are just you know, or The Artist, where it's just kind of like, eh, okay, not great, it's not horrible, but you know, probably could have done better. And and I think that uh, licorice pizza could definitely be that good good deal for Bradley Cooper though to be in uh, to be in two of the best picture winner uh, nominees. Oh yeah, that's right. And he's a producer on Nightmare Alley, so works well for him. Overall, Chad, your final thoughts on Oscars twenty twenty two and the nominations here today. Um. So. I think the the academy's in a a, a spot because we for years we well recently we've talked about the lack of diversity. Right now we're talking about the the relevance of the Oscars overall. So when this list came out, outside of the best actress category, it seemed to be getting better on the on the diversity front. Um, you can probably say there were some people, some more diverse people that they could have put in some other categories. But overall, 
it's this has been this is better than it has been in the past. Uh, we've got what two black men in for best actor. We've got one black woman in supporting. Um, I think we have more uh, another black man in best supporting actor. And then the the list of directors you have Villeneuve, you've got a Campion, you've got the director of Drive My Car. So of the big awards, there is diversity there, and it's better than it has been in years, and that is a good thing. But on the relevance front, is anybody going to watch your show to see the, all the diversity? Because they know next to nothing about most of the movies um, nominated. So I think they've done, I think we've seen a little bit of progress from the Academy. I don't want to give them too much credit because because next year they could turn around and have an all white field again is not, is not beyond them. So I don't want to give them too much credit, but compared to what has been in the past, hell, the recent past, it is an improvement. Now they need to continue that improvement while also figuring out how to make people care and how to reconcile what people, the subject, the subjectivity and what people think of as the true art of cinema versus what people actually go to see in cinema and how do they bridge that disconnect and keep from becoming relegated to obscurity. And that is a question for a very large think tank to answer. Um, but like, my thing is, this is a diverse group of nominees, all of which are deserving and on the merits deserve to be nominated. There are very few things, challenges that you can make that are legitimately, that you can make a legitimate case for, for snubs and things like that. Um, but like the show itself depend, it depends largely on the general populace. If you go by box office success, Dune accounts for 56% of the total domestic box office gross of all the Best Picture nominees. Over half, it's like uh, they've made $181 million total and uh, domestic, and and, uh, Dune is responsible for $101 million of that. (laughs) You know, Nightmare Alley did $10 million domestic. West Side Story did $12 million domestic. You know, um, Power of uh, uh, Drive My Car has been in limited release. It's been doing high per, third peer, per theater averages, but that's because they've been living in New York and LA and they haven't expanded very much. Licorice Pizza w- was there for a while, but didn't make a whole lot of money. Like, you know, it, it's, it's not an extremely well-known thing. And again, I'll go back to something that we talk about every year. It's very, very hard for me and you living in a non-huge media market to get a hold of these movies before the nominations are out. I mean, we we both know that while AMC has done some great work with their artisan banner, putting some of these things in theaters for more more time, um, if it would these Oscar nominated type films would show up at, at um, Perkins Row for all of like two weeks and if you missed it you missed it and it wasn't coming back until after the nominations mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you had to be in the know to go catch it and that just 
it shouldn't be that way. And uh, I think that also limits um, the theatrical windows and the marketing of some of these movies limit the ability of the mainstream public to get behind. No, those are very good points on um, on that. I, I mean, we can go on for a while about how, why are we here, how we there's How a disconnect, right? Yeah, it, there, it, there, there's a disconnect because starting around 1996 with the English patient, I mean, they kind of just took a nosedive because a few years before that, Dances with Wolves was one of the most successful box office movies of the year, and it was nominated for multiple Academy Awards. And, you know, you had films throughout the Renaissance of the 70s and 80s that were broadly speaking well known movies Kramer versus Kramer. Taxi Driver, um, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, um, Nine to Five, uh, Danger, Danger, Dangerous Liaisons. Um, you had movies that, uh, Basic Instinct, you had movies that were like broadly well-known. Um, and then like like I said, right around the mid nineties, it, it took a steep nosedive with, with English Patient and going from there with people looking at it going American, what American Beauty, Shakespeare, and what love this makes? What is this stuff? You know, it it just slowly but surely went the vast other direction to stuff that only movie nerds knew existed and only movie nerds cared about. You throw in the occasional Titanic, which everybody knew, or the occasional Avatar, which everybody knew, but for the most part, it was the artist. What? It is. And what you said there about only the movie nerds knew it's so this is it kind of feels like another form of like what we call quote unquote unquote, nerds taking over and saying this is my stuff and this is what's good and the biggest way to get recognized just so happens the biggest way for their stuff to be recognized is through the Academy Awards and it seems like a bunch of film people have decided that you know, since the mainstream has gone one way, all of the true art is over here. And we don't care if, any, if nobody else sees it. This is where the true art is. And that's where we're going to, we're going to have our night to celebrate it. And everybody gets to see it then. It's just, and, you know, that worked for years. But now we're to the point where everybody's like, you know what? I don't have to watch this. I don't have to see this. I know the movies I like. There's a whole lot of them. I can watch them right now. Instead of watching this award show, hand out awards to people that I've never heard of or movies that I never knew existed, and that kind that's going to be the downfall of this thing that people that truly care about cinema and these awards they're going to pay the price because if this show keeps going this way, nobody's going to care about it outside of those people, and that's no way to sustain it and there's got to be a better way. There, there needs to be some, some reevaluation, some recalibration of what is and is not accepted uh, as good movies for the Academy. And I think it, to a certain extent, you hit on something that I don't think has really been talked about, which is protectionism. I think over the course of time, as things went more and more mainstream toward comedies and horror movies and um, 
and comic book movies and big popcorn movies that the Academy got smaller and as Nathan would say, more niche. Um, the thing that I have a problem with the Academy is over the last 25, 30 years, not just that it's become more niche, is that you as a producer, say, I don't know, Harvey Weinstein, can literally take a checklist and make a movie based on a checklist and guarantee that you're going to get nominated. Am I a biopic? Do I have a great lead performance? Um, am I a period piece? Are my costumes period accurate? Like you can make a checklist and present something that, that's where the term Oscar bait comes from, right? Like that is a problem with the Academy that you, that you shouldn't be able to tailor and make, tailor make a film for awards consideration. It should just make the story, do the best you can, you know, if it gets recognized, it gets recognized. And I think that you hit on the notion of protectionism in that while everything went more mainstream toward the cultural big stuff, they wanted to protect this small sliver of, well, the only thing that really matters are dramas, biopic, dramas, biopic, uh, biopics, and some high concept sci-fi. Like, that's it. This is the narrow box of which we can say is great art because you guys are fawning over all this stuff that is junk and we want to protect this small little bubble of stuff that we've always known is you know important art and that's what it kind of does feel like it's been over the last 25 years what is fit inside of that box has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller while the broader and more culturally diverse things have become more more uh aware in in the popular sense that is we'll see all right chad so do you have your tickets to the batman i do i have my tickets to the batman so we will both be seeing the batman on march the first mardi gras day on uh uh at our local amcs so that'll be fun i didn't realize i was on mardi gras day mm-hmm yeah, that's going to be fun. Is, it is indeed. So uh, that'll about do it for this episode of the podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at BCW Tiger Fan. Here's the Dunks fan club number one. <laughs> um, Kirsten Dunst and, uh, and Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, my dynamic duo of comic book movie stars. Yes, as I hear about all the time. But I'm also at the Mets Theory, and I don't think I have a fan club. Except the Mark Sanchez Church, which you also belong to. Unwillingly. Thank you very much, and have a pleasant evening.